Yeah, I grew up in Mississippi. Yeah, I love that. We have very similar firms. I, I love oh. it. I love the selling your like. I love everything you've done. I love so that. that. <laughs> oh, I love that. Your firm is amazing. I love it. I love you. I don't know what to say. <laughs> this has been great. I honestly didn't know who the hell you were until this thing, and I love you. You're great. I love That's everything. Right. Hello and welcome. We are all the sons of CPAs. Join us as we question the current state of the accounting and tax industry with the next generation of professionals leading the space. We are all the change agents in an industry fraught with money and inertia. Let's begin the sons of CPAs with your hosts today, Jason Ackerman and Scott Scarano. And special guest, Shane Mason. What's up, boys? I, okay, okay. Shane, I <laughs> he first pronounced all, your, I name, your name. I could say uh-huh. your name, which is fantastic. Nailed it. You have like kind of two first names, which I also like. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. You got everything going. Like Shane Mason, It's if you could be an actor, definitely mm. could be a porn star. Mm. Especially with your hair. Definitely. Mm. And the mustache. Best the hair, mustache best too. hair of the podcast. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, this is a podcast, so it's a, not a visual medium. How do you know that I'm not already? Ah, I'm not already. There's a lot of, <laughs> I do have some porn clients and a lot of them don't put their face in anymore. It's like, that's, that's mm. the thing now. You can you do know? that. Oh, you right. You can do that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> with the, uh, with the new porn styles on the, um, I wouldn't know. I've never fans only. Yeah. I don't watch my content, so <laughs> <laughs> I hate to see myself perform. You know, sound of my own voice. This is yeah. You're you're a method actor, so you know I totally get that. <laughs> well, now this is the lead into why he's in L.A. Right? That's, oh boy, uh, the big break. <laughs> so balancing tax season and other activities. Wow, what an um, intro. Yeah. So, so no, no, let's keep going with the intro. So you got a lot lot of letters behind your name and I want to get into that, but I have a correlation too, because Mm -hmm. I think I was born with a lot of the letters behind my name and I'm, I'm, we're supposed to be introducing you and I've realized (laughs) I have like five, at least five letters behind my name. I've got OCD, ADHD. (laughs) Those are, those are the four, five, seven I'm going to start with. And, and I could, I could go on. STD. (laughs) <laughs> that one I wasn't born with. I was not born with that. Got that one. later. So, yeah, got that later. Maybe watching life. Shane. Who knows? <laughs> I wouldn't be getting it watching. Uh, but if, yeah, that would have been um, the other way around. So you you've got quite a few letters, and you had to work for those. That was. Uh, I didn't really have to work for many of mine. They were just given to me. Yeah. I didn't know where you were going with that. That was no one did. Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. What amazing. if you? Just, uh, what if people did have to wear letters like that around in society? Like it's the scarlet letter, right? That's the, yeah. That's the scarlet letters, right? Isn't right. that where that came from? Like the the scarlet letter. Kind I think of. there was an adultery involved. Yeah. Scarlet yeah. letter. But yeah. Well, do you want me to talk about my letters? Because not uh, your adultery. Yeah, talk, talk about your letters. <laughs> not your adultery. <laughs> Your letters? Yeah, sure. I'll talk about I'll talk about that stuff. Everyone's obsessed with credentials in this uh, industry, right? Because you get to throw them throw them around on LinkedIn and stuff. First one was CPA, Ole Miss. I went to Ole Miss. Good accounting program. Uh, so good that the second half of your master's uh, year, which is a one year program, they uh, you sit for your CPA during school, which is really okay, cool. That's like, so good, and that's mm-hmm. like, why does every school not do that? It should be every single master's program. It makes no sense. I've 
I've tried to get our local university to do that, and and I'm so glad that they do that. Clemson does that too. So, yeah, is it a southern thing? Maybe. Clemson, are you from Are Ole you Miss? from Mississippi? Yeah, I grew up in Mississippi. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, am I the first on the on the pod? Absolutely, the first. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever pod. met from yeah. Mississippi. Oh, really? I get that a lot. Actually, there's not a lot. People like to stay there if they uh, are from there. Unsurprisingly, I, I don't. Honestly, I don't know if I know anybody from Mississippi. But, that, but that's so good. But I, I associate you with Brooklyn. I don't even associate you with Mississippi in my head. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've branded yourself Brooklyn. Did you choose like the master's program at Ole Miss? Obviously, the undergrad there, but mm-hmm. was it kind of known like you were going to do the master's and it was kind of built in for the CPA? That was the plan. Well, the whole accounting thing kind of like I never I, I wasn't in high school. Like, yeah, I want to be an accountant for sure. Let's go to an accounting program, get a master's degree, get a CPA. It was more like I, you know, Ole Miss wasn't my first choice. And this podcast isn't long enough for like my high school days, <laughs> but I ended up at Ole Miss. And I was like, all right, Probably what's the hardest? What's the hardest thing y'all got here? And uh, it was accounting. So I ended up going through that program. And I was like, at least if I get out. I get an accounting degree from here. I can go on and do other things. You know, it's the language of business. And like before I knew it, I had a master's in a CPA and was working at PwC in Austin out of school. And I was like, all right, one day I won't be an accountant. And that was, I don't know, 13 years ago. And I'm still, I'm still doing taxes, but yeah. And then how'd you get your CFP? Yeah. So I did, uh, I did three years at PwC Austin doing the taxes for public and private companies, mostly tech firms in Austin back when it was just turning the corner of gentrification, like 2010 through 13. A lot of those companies had equity compensation that they were paying their employees, you know, non-quals, ISOs, RSUs, et cetera. And, uh, I went to a mid-sized firm with that knowledge and ended up working with, in New York city after Austin. And that was about 10 years ago. And I was doing a couple of years there realized that working with individuals is a lot more a lot more fun and servicing them holistically like doing their financial planning you know investments retirement planning tax planning instead of just compliance looking at their insurance all that fun stuff um, i always knew that i wanted to start my own firm and i thought that i would be bored in the summertime for some reason or not have something to do um, so i got the cfp to round it out so that i would have something to service clients with outside of tax season and that was back in 2015 when I got that and then started my own firm. I was always moonlighting since 2014, but left my full-time gig in, at the end of 2017. Got the CFP and then just last year, I got the CPWA because it really focuses on high net worth, equity compensation, estate planning for executives and people with equity comp, like alternative types of, of compensation and entrepreneurs that own businesses. and. That is just like a refresher on that stuff because our, our, our we started off servicing creatives and then we pivoted towards tech professionals in like 2018 and now that's over 80 percent of our clients. So and the and the net worth of them just continues to go higher and higher. So we have to get more and more creative with our estate planning and all of the financial planning that we do. Yeah, I can't tell you how many tax returns I see where they don't do the stock options right. That's like oh. low hanging fruit of just. It's on their W two, but then they don't. They also they have a huge capital gain. Yeah, and it's so easy to catch, and these yeah. people don't know it. And uh, that's de- that's a great niche to be mm-hmm. in because the tax return. Like if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of complexities there. And then, like you said, it kind of they have a bunch of wealth, so you just kind of pull that over to your wealth side. 
do the investment advising. Why did yeah, I not yeah. think of this? Damn it. <laughs> so, it's so, not too late. Gonna I mean, I'm gonna take it's not this, too this late. Great idea. <laughs> you can still niche it or niche it, whatever you want. Like I didn't even heard the word niche. <laughs> you just said niche. That was a third one. A third <laughs> yeah. contender is under not, the ring. Third contender. Yeah. I'm not an like English I, guy. I barely speak. <laughs> he tried to say niche. He's tried to Nietzsche. say niche. I, I, I even, I even messed it up this time. It's, it's is it niche, niche. Those are two, the two new ones. So yeah. the the way that I approach the niche niche is that one of them is a verb and one of them is a noun. So okay. I, I niched into that, or it is my niche. Ah, and is that a self definition, or is that's that a self definition? Yeah, you can use it if you want. I know you guys. It's a hot, it's a hot debate here on the pod. So bilingual over here, we can speak <laughs> both languages, <laughs> both niches. So that's a that is a great vertical to be in that's that's the yeah. universal right that's this common tongue um so how yeah. go ahead Sorry. i mean yeah i mean just like to continue the conversation on that like we i was like part of the story of brooklyn and five my company is that we we switch niches from i think i just fucked it up right there it's supposed to be niches right there mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're proving yourself wrong you wanted to sound good and now you was we switch niches from creatives to tech professionals because we were they tend to marry each other. So like I was doing the taxes for creatives. That's where I started out. And the spouses would come along and they'd be, and I would be reviewing their old returns and they would have like incentive stock option issues on their old returns. And one of them, I found a $50,000 mistake on one of their returns. Like it put $50,000 back into that client's pocket. And they weren't even that huge of a high net worth clientele. It's just that they had such a large incentive stock option issue that they goofed it up and then they didn't carry the credit forward. So, you know, it was like, all right, these creatives are a little bit more price sensitive. We're finding huge value on these tax returns for tech professionals. So we just started and they're willing to pay for our services. So we just pivoted to that about four years ago and it's been way more, it's way more fun when you don't have as much price sensitivity, first of all, like less pushback on the prices and you just get to go deep on these returns. I just had a really crazy, event today like i'm going down this i've been going down this rabbit hole of equity compensation for almost five years now and one of my tax managers came to me with something i've never seen before today and i was like i don't i don't know what's going to happen here we're gonna have to figure it out together so it just keeps going and going well it's i think you you've already kind of articulated this but just to clarify you worked with a lot of the companies that were doing this now you're working with the employees of right. those companies yes so you take your experience from austin you know, you, you were in the trenches working with the employees. You were putting together a lot of these W-2s, I assume, um, there. You were part of that team. And then you go to, you know, pack your bags and go up to New York, right? Kind of. There was... I actually, I, I didn't mean to. Yeah, honestly, Scott, are you was, high? I don't even know where I was. I'm not <laughs> high. Actually, this is this is interesting, too. This is a he whole literally said all this conversation. Yeah. Well, no, he's got a fair point because I did skip over like a, a pretty big event in my life at that point, because I like I said, I never intended to be an accountant. So I had done three years of PwC and I'm like, all right, where does it stop? Like I'm putting in twenty five hundred hours a year for a career I didn't even choose. So I actually dropped out of accounting at the end of my third year and my dad was sick. Um, so I, I went back to Mississippi for a little while. And then when that was over with, I was unemployed for like the first time since I was 15. So I took an opportunity to just like reflect a little bit. And then I was, I was in Europe for a few months, really like four months. And then I had this really cool experience where I, I sailed back from Europe 
uh, to the United States on a small sailboat that took about three months to do. And that's how I got to New York. So I that is that that's what I was getting at, right? That this sounds is, terrifying. You and, packed your bags uh, and you got on the boat. You realize right. you invented airplanes. <laughs> yeah, but they're more expensive than when you life experiences, buddy. This is this is right. what Shane's after. Actually, I've seen a lot of movies that go bad, real bad, <laughs> when you're trying to sail across the Atlantic. It got dicey wow, a few yeah. times. We, Did you do it by yourself? No, there was, we started with four, and we ended. <laughs> we with lost two. a few along the way. <laughs> Wait, how do you lose? Like, are they are they still missing? Or no, they're fine. I keep up with them. I'm still one of them. Was the owner of the boat? Like, the journey was taking too long for him. He was like a business owner, and he had like he had to like fly back to the states to sue his ex wife or some shit. I don't know. It was like, all right, <laughs> got bye. picked up on the. <laughs> It's just the boys now. And then one of them was a Welsh guy that couldn't get into the States because he didn't have a visa. So we had to drop his ass off in Canada and he took a bus over. And then just the captain and I slept in three hour shifts for four days. That's uh, so slick. Wow. That is, is uh, yeah. insane. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say you're the first CPA to ever do that. Perhaps. Perhaps. So it's, it's a pretty white guy profession. That seems like a pretty white guy thing to do. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't know. Now, there's plenty of CBAs who sail in, you know, St. John by choice, yeah. <laughs> by choice, right? Like, so, you know, you, I don't think you were born into this. You didn't expand if your parents were CPAs, but it just no. sounds like you, you've taken a different approach to get into firm ownership than a lot of others. You know, granted, everything you've already said, you know, it kind of led you to this path now but you're doing it a bit differently than a lot of traditional firms. And mm -hmm. that, is that because of your fresh perspective? Probably, yeah. I've tried a lot of gimmicks over the years that helped, that were interesting. I just look for the thought leaders and how to build a firm for the future. I'm just like really trying to race towards a self-sustaining business that doesn't require me to be a part of it. So everything that we've ever built from the get-go has always been designed to scale up and be process oriented and be delegable, delegatable to somebody else. I'm still necessary to a degree. I mean, I hear that you're not necessary anymore, Scott. You I, complain. I, yeah. I, I mean, you, you've heard this many times, I'm sure, but be careful what you wish for, right? Like, <laughs> I, I have said that. And now I forgot what it's like to even do a tax return. And I'm only one year removed, like maybe mm -hmm. two years. But I don't know what my purpose is. I, all I hear every week is Ackerman tells me how fucking horrible I am at taxes. And I have to agree with him at this point. Like it's, <laughs> it's you've let it I'm, fade. You've asked me some questions where I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I've let it fade. Like, I don't know if I let it fade or if it was ever even there and I was just lying to myself. <laughs> I used to think I was pretty good at this stuff. Okay. But, I want to, um, I want to know. So there's very few firms that are doing investment advising. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the money is. So first of all, how when did you kind of decide like, hey, I'm going to kind of add this service line on mm -hmm. to the business? And then how do you kind of merge the CPA and the investment advising side of the firm? Yeah. So the investment advisory thing is one of the more intimidating things about financial planning, right? Because it feels like something that you need dozens of years of experience and that's where the money is so it must be extra hard to do and yeah, over the people that do it are idiots <laughs> well there are there's two different types of people right mm -hmm. there's people that do active management of investments that like actually choose stocks 
And that never works out in the long run, the long, long run. Like Warren Buffett is one of the few people that do that. And the people that do do it effectively, they typically charge so much money in fees that you end up at a net loss if you had just gone with a passive investment strategy. So it's a lot, it's really good for, for those active managers. They collect a ton of fees, but it's not so great for the investor, like their clients. And there's tons of studies on how active management typically works out against you rather than in your favor. So the Brooklyn FI approach to investing is a passive and is passive investing and just keeping you in the market. There's this concept of uh, the behavior gap, like the difference between the returns that the market experiences versus what actual investors get. So if the market did 7%, you would think that investors got a 7% return, but in practice, they typically get a 4% return on average because of the behavior that they exhibit. So they will yeah, they sell what they sell when the market dips a little bit or they, they panic. Yes, yeah, exactly. So our job at Brooklyn FI is to stand in between you and a big mistake it is like an elevator pitch for what we do in the investment management side. And you know, if it costs you 1% of your assets for us to save you from spending 3% over the course of your life, then it's obviously an ROI there. And uh, yeah, so that was the last vertical that we added to the business. We started off with taxes, added financial planning, and then now we don't charge for taxes anymore. All taxes are just included in all of our relationships. And about 70% of our clients opt into investment management, and we manage about $150 million of assets for our clients. And uh, we're working on exploring adding estate planning. We, we currently refer that out, but at some point in the next five years, we'll have an estate planning attorney on staff. And we're also, I was working on my R&D tax credit just now, actually, for 2021, because we hired a developer last year to work on bringing down the inputs, the cost of inputs to financial plans by uh, developing some software. So you're an RIA, set up as an RIA? Yeah, exactly. Oh, so I didn't answer like how we merged that together. Yeah. Um, so we technically have two different entities, although I don't think it's required. We've talked to a bunch of different lawyers about it, and none of them will give us a clear answer on whether or not it's required. So we've typically had an accounting firm and an RIA firm separately. All the employees are employees of the accounting firm just because it was the first entity that we had. And as the, you know, the head of finance of the company, I really don't want to be the run to payrolls in parallel, have two separate 401ks and all that stuff. So you'll see on our website, there's like a disclaimer that all employees of Brooklyn FI are employees of Mason Tax, DBA Brooklyn FI Tax, which is just one of our older entities from back in the day when we did taxes on our own. But we just got audited by the SEC. They they audit most, one of their new things is auditing new registrants with the SEC. And they, they're the ones that regulate us. And they didn't have any problems with our structure or any of that stuff that we were scared about for like four or five years. So I don't even know if it matters. So if you don't charge for the tax return and it's, that's going, so what what is the CPA firm charging for? At this point, the CPA firm, we have an outsourced accounting practice. Uh, we charge close to 60 clients a subscription fee for outsourced accounting that includes taxes so that's like our entities uh, about a third of those are also financial planning and investment management clients so there's like three things that we do for them we handle the business you know here's the net income for the year to date we do some forecasts for them uh, we help them with all things related to their business we, we do really well with like high income smaller companies like they might it might be between one and five owners and they each make six multiple six figures because we take that money and we minimize their taxes through financial planning and investment management. We charge Tax them a subscription what? fee. 
yeah, there's a lot going on there. But those fees start at 400 a month and they go up to 1500 a month, depending on what's included. So how do you, going back to kind of how you, so you have, an, you have CFPs and then you got CPAs. Mm-hmm. How do you guys kind of work together to on a client if, you, if you've got yeah. them doing multiple things at one time? Yeah, well, we're on our third workflow solution at this point. Uh, we used nothing at first, obviously. And then we went to Jetpack Workflow when we were trying to standardize everything. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Jetpack, baby. Yeah, I love Jetpack. It just, uh, it didn't, it doesn't do all the things that, like we need since we have five vertical, like five different departments. It didn't, it wasn't working out. But I love the team there. And then we went to Tax Dome, uh, which was awesome. I loved Tax Dome as well. And then ultimately we're on Carbon now into a practice management. Doesn't yeah. everybody end up on carbon? That's all conversations end with carbon. Yeah, yeah. It's um, is it working it, out? It works beautifully. Yeah, we have some guy asked me on some Slack channel if he was adopting carbon, and he's like, "Hey, can you show me the workflows that you have?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. I'll take a screenshot." I had to take like six screenshots because we have like I don't know ninety to a hundred workflows that are custom built in there that I didn't even realize because our ops department just cranks them out. Like everything oh, wow. from a tech demo to recruiting to how to respond to a tax notice to everything's in there. It's it's awesome. And we just tag each other, Jason. Like if um, there's like five people involved in every 1040 because the lead plant, because there's a the ops team sets it up, the associate prepares the return, the reviewer reviews it, and then the lead financial planner reviews it ultimately. The client's involved. And then like if there's ever investment management that needs to happen like let's say that we recommend a $25,000 set by IRA contribution then we tag someone on the investment management team to send the paperwork over to the client to get it funded ahead of the deadline so it's a lot of commenting it's a lot of there's like a bunch of roles I, I don't know how you guys use your roles within carbon but we typically have five different five or six different roles on a 1040 yeah ours ours just pivots between which work I uh, where where which phase it's on, um, which step, and then it shifts a responsibility or shifts ownership. I forgot what all that stuff is called. I don't even pay attention to the assignment, anymore. maybe. Yeah, the assignment. It, it assigns yeah. it to a different team member um, or a different role <laughs> based on the where it's at in the return. Ackerman could probably tell you he, he's very proud of their tax process. Do um, you automate all? Do you use the automators heavily, Jason? We're so we've been on Carmen so long that like we had it before automators and really we really he use any of the cool go. stuff. Yeah, we we actually used all the cool things. We need he's to just, go. We need to go back and like kind of. Like we were there even before like templates were there, so obviously we what? he was there when it was just everything. an email inbox. But it was just an email box for them. Well, that's encouraging because I'm excited about the roadmap for them. I yeah, really want... they've done. I mean, we've they're great, and we need to kind of we we've just got so much recurring work that like we really need to take a step back and like do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Especially the automators and the roles, but yeah, I'm excited about even like well, the client tasks. Even the in, they just released something this weekend that was the insights, and it shows how long something stays in a status. And I was actually calculating that outside, so like you can see how long it stays in the reviewer mm-hmm. like status, which I was really? calculating because that's what I care about. Is like how long is it taking to get reviewed and final reviewed and assembled and all that stuff. And uh, sounds like Carbon he's tracking time in a way. Sounds like he's measuring time somewhat back and forth. Well, like there. like Ron Baker said last week, it's all about how fast you can get to the client. So yeah, that's what right. I'm, I'm into that. So yeah, if something's like 
if it's taking four days in review, then there's something wrong. So that's how we use it. But yeah, carbon is a big carbon proponent. Yeah, you, I'm really itch, interested in a lot of, of KPIs like that. I'm really interested in returns per tax manager is something. Okay. We did 250 last year, and I didn't like that. So we're, we're going to try 150 this year. It's at like yeah, that's, so that's kind of something we're trying to figure out too is like how many relationships a person can have. And because I think that's more important than like. Well, then you can back get back into pricing those relationships based on what yeah, your exactly. capacity is. Exactly. What your, your capacity is and then price backwards. Exactly. Um, turnaround time is important too. I mean, it, Ackerman, I agree with all your. Well, because mo- most firms like they, if you charge by the hour, you're like you want more time and everything. So you actually want your tax return to take longer, which is not what the client wants. The client wants it faster. The client doesn't want to wait two weeks for you to get the tax return. So that part of client service is like how fast you can get it to them. Yeah. So somewhat related, but Shane, you also sold off a lot of clients too. Um, mm-hmm. Speak out a little bit on that. The decision to get there yeah i've got my last batch going out today actually if i get to it by the uh end of the end of the day today so hey, you we, got three hours on us it's still daytime for you <laughs> yeah but i start at 6 30 in the morning so i'm not exactly <laughs> a spring chicken at 3 30 in the afternoon <laughs> and i'm a night owl if the long hair didn't give it away and i by the way i don't track time we don't know when at the firm tracks time. Let's go, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, let's 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 back up Road here. Five, carbon I makes it like... easy. The reason we started, no, no, no. The reason that, we started that, this you're, you're, is carbon. This is Shane and I. We're non-time people. <laughs> Shane, I'm flying out to LA. We're like, I feel let's like we're very similar firms. We have an investment advisor side. My brother actually just walked in here. You didn't see him. He does all. Oh, nice. The investment stuff mostly. We have very similar firms. I, I love oh. it. His brother's like Jason Plus. It's like the taller, more handsome version of yeah, Jason. exactly. Jason Plus. <laughs> <laughs> so like Disney Plus. Can I subscribe to to Big Ackerman? I'm happy. I'm <laughs> yeah, happy. It, it, Ack- it, Ackerman Plus. Yeah. Well, it, and yeah, of course, one percent. <laughs> I, I love the investment, like the investment advising. How you charge, like it's so smart, and it just kind of takes away all billing, and it's very easy yeah. to explain to the client. And you can just Everybody kind of bundle wins. stuff in with that. Yeah. So, so our, circling back to pricing, our pricing, I didn't realize how complicated it was until we had our retreat last week and people were asking me about like pricing. And I built out a spreadsheet of all the different ways clients can pay us and the different discounts that they have available to them. And it's quite complicated, actually. I mean, it's all subscription based. Like we don't work on commissions or anything. I don't know, Ackerman, if you guys do commissions in the firm, but um, we, just it's essentially value pricing right if you charge by the hour or if you charge a percentage of assets um there's just so many things that we can do that i had to break it out and yeah we don't we don't charge for time because if you if you price it right especially if you have a niche you know how much it takes to do each of the projects and you can value price every client effectively to circle back to your pricing if if we manage enough assets for a client their financial planning fee decreases 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 to zero if if we manage enough assets for them like if we manage five million for them they don't pay us a monthly fee anymore interesting yeah so it incentivizes yeah aum is as much as like subscription is lovely and sexy like you don't have to worry about you're not tracking time like aum billing is even higher up on that level it's even sexier it's even sexier take the money out AUM is assets under management for those that 
that don't know. Yeah. yeah, it just comes. I mean, you send them an invoice, but it's it's just quarterly, so they forget, and it fluctuates with the size of the account. So I don't really want to know how much I'm paying for services that I love anyway. Like if I feel like taken care of, I'm willing to pay whatever for it. I mean, obviously, if as long as it's not inhibiting my ability to enjoy my life or significantly cutting my net worth, but if it enhances my life a lot, I'll pay anything for something like that. So, and I don't want to know what it costs. Apple, that's that's how I feel about Apple. So Tate Henshaw uh-huh. does similar, similar. He's coming on, I think, next week or week after, but he does this with his entertainment clients because that you know you're in LA right now, but. That is how they are billed for almost everything is just a percentage of what they make. Mm. Um, that's how he bills them. That's how their managers bill them. That's how their, you know, there's whatever yeah. other, it's other an things agent. entertainment. It's a, like a, an agent. Yeah. And uh, it's very smart and kind of something. I wonder if we should just do that for our clients. Do. How much money they're making, we just bill them a percentage of that. I wonder if there's a way to like kind of like what Shane does, which is kind of a hybrid of that, which is he has a schedule. It's like up to a certain point, you're going to get charged this. And then once Mm -hmm. you get to that point, we're charging you enough so we can get rid of all these other things. And we're just going to charge you 1% or whatever the percentage you guys pick. I think that's yeah, very, yeah. we have a complexity based fee, right? Like it's, it starts at 4,000 a year which we divide by 12 to make it easy on their wallet. Cause our clients are typically about to go through a liquidity event. Like it's typically someone just prior to an IPO and they've got a bunch of options or equity. We signed, I think like 16 clients at Palantir last September when they were about to go through their direct listing and they don't have assets to manage until we help them navigate the multiple months long quarters, years long wind down of their concentrated portfolio. And then we have a place for that assets to land in a real portfolio at the end of the day. So we do a lot of investor psychology and uh, they're having the techs having a really rough time right now. We got a lot of clients at at Square and Peloton that those, you know, they've taken an and they've lost two thirds of their value over the past six months. So it's a lot of like coaching people through those difficult realizations that you know the highest price that your share has ever been worth or your company's ever been worth isn't probably it isn't always going to be worth that so we try to get them out of those concentrated positions walk away from the craps table after you've already won type of thing mm. squares now block are they still square well <laughs> no they're block but in my mind they're still square if you, if you google square stock it pulls up the block <laughs> price still so so what's so that no stops more. happening yeah. So as you're building this firm, I mean, it started obviously just with you. What was like your kind of go through your hiring process and who were like the first administrative people that you hired that were super key to where you are today? Yeah. Well, to, to clarify that a bit, my business partner, AJ, or 50, I have a 50-50 business partner. And she, I started like the tax firm, but when I was going to start doing financial planning in a real way, like when I founded the RIA, I had met her just prior, actually on a podcast. Uh, she interviewed me for her podcast, and you the liquidity hear- event. No, 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 no. It's called no. Money Splained, and uh, she did everything herself. Like Scott edits all this uh, for now, at least. And uh, we, she brought me on to talk about freelancers' taxes back in 2017. So you can go on Apple uh, Podcasts and hear my very first conversation with my business partner of five years now, which is pretty cool. We can always pull that up and laugh about that. And uh, she is very much uh, half of Brooklyn FI. She's a career changer from uh, PR and, and music journalism. 
and um i kind of have like the tax side and she's got the pr and journalism side of the business so it's like communications and technical skills not that either of us aren't you know very good at the other thing but we do make good business partners because we have different skill sets that complement each other really well so it was just her and i at the beginning so that's why i kept saying i had to be able to delegate everything with processes because I had to have AJ help me. So there was always two people from the jump. So you always had to try to get everything out of the head and into something else that someone else can do. So then our first hire, I think was a bookkeeper, like a part-time bookkeeper. And then we just needed tax help. So we ended up uh, hiring a tax manager first. And that was one of our oldest employees until we unfortunately had to let him go at the end of tax season last year which firing people is always awful, especially if it was like your first What did he do wrong? You know, the firm has changed a lot over the years and he didn't realize, like I kept pressing him to focus on the clients that were subscription-based that were paying us higher fees. And he was just, in his mind, he was, he's been in the business for like 15 years, you know, so he's always just thought of clients as one-off tax clients and not thinking about the lifetime value of a client. He could not separate the two. So over 50% of our subscription clients that I had promised would not go on extension went on extension for no reason beyond the fact that he couldn't focus on the clients that I told him to focus on, you know, and I had, I tried to warn him a few times that this needs to have, like even starting in like September of the year before, like these are the clients that need to get focused on and they didn't, and they were all pissed off for obvious reasons. So for the sake of the rest of the people at the firm to show that there are consequences for not sticking to the strategy i had to let him go which was awful but dude that's accountability i know it's that's a yeah. hard thing to do it's so interesting though because it we deal with this too it's like there's such an old mindset and like for an accountant who you think would like to understand business like they don't understand business and like your mm-hmm. your business of accounting it's so funny it's <sighs> yeah not, i mean because i'm <laughs> being bad but it's funny i get it weird it's human nature i mean you made the hard call though like and that's so tell us about that process too like so between you and aj who's the one who had to do that how did you guys go about it um or, or i mean if you don't want to go with relive this horrible moment in your life <laughs> not relive well, it but like that's for i mean there's probably a lot of firms that have to deal with this and that just don't do anything i imagine a lot of small firms don't fire people and it has a big impact on their growth a big negative impact on their growth impediment yeah yeah i mean if you can't if especially if you're small because each person has such a large impact on the firm and sometimes you need somebody to work 130 percent as hard as one person so that you can build up the revenue to hire somebody else and then you keep leapfrogging and you go up that cycle of profitability and loss that each person really matters so much if you eventually hire the wrong person and don't fire them fast enough it's gonna drag you drag you down like you have to pull the trigger on this and we did she had to do the same thing a few months earlier for another plan a financial planner that's her department so we had both gone through our first firing within a few months of each other and it was it was traumatic i mean obviously it was worse for the employees that didn't didn't enjoy it but it is a milestone for business owners to that first uh fire right have you had to do that yet no i definitely did oh yeah this past year you guys have owned firms for a while right uh ackerman was born into this i I fired my first one when i got my first roth ira payment age seven (laughs) 
That was, that was, you know how you pay your kids so they can right. get off IRAs? Right, right. right. My, a, my yeah. dad was like, walk in and fire that person. And I was like, Did what? you really? No. Oh, my God. But that's what I was doing. It's something that you kind of don't see until afterwards, right? You don't see the downstream impact that somebody's having on the business. You don't see the... You don't see how they affect the other employees or the clients until they're gone. Well, I think a lot of people see it and they just don't want to fire them. I mean, that's yeah, like but you don't see thing. how big of an impact it is afterwards. Like you don't, you really don't see how much change there could be in the other direction too. You know, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see, you see a you one know to they one. most of the time you know who needs to go and you just. You don't want to do it. I'm the same. I, we fired someone last year. We should have fired him a year before that. We just held yeah. on and held on and held on. And I well, recruiting in this industry is yeah. so terrible. It's so hard to recruit. The only way we've been able to recruit is by spending uh, tens and tens of thousands of dollars on LinkedIn. To, really? Yeah, yeah. We have a we recruit on link. We use LinkedIn Recruiter to go find people, like the ones that the professionals use. Mm-hmm. to go to go find folks and uh hey we're professionals to... too you're a professional yeah fair but you know what i mean like professional recruiters that's all they do yeah. all day so it's one of the, it's like their big write-off is linkedin recruiter so i think we have a good setup now we were able to get three awesome tax managers in 2021 one of them on short notice that we're really excited about and we're we feel we feel ready for tax season mm-hmm. Uh, tell us, we'll check no, back in no with you in a couple months. We'll check back in with you this in a couple months. This tat season is going to be so, I mean, every these last couple tat seasons have been crazy, but this one is going to be, I think, even crazier. You think so? Really? Yeah. Why? Well, there's a couple big laws in South, like California has had a pass-through entity tax, but South Carolina just elected that, and North Carolina is doing it next year, and that's going to affect almost every tax return that we do if you're in North or South Carolina, which is a lot of our clients. So mm. that's a big thing. Plus you're like, we're still coming off the, there was a stimulus payment last year, PPP money, kind of just the end of COVID and all these other tax law changes. And the IRS is still terrible and it's just a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. And, and you still have some clients saying my taxes are easy. You know, yeah. Like, how how often do you get that? Yeah, I I, I want to. What what's your response, Jane, when someone says their tax return is easy? Do it yourself. <laughs> uh, it's been a, since we fired. I mean, I guess I dodged this question earlier about selling clients or like getting rid of clients. Oh right, right, right. But we don't really deal with that as much anymore because the tax return is just a part of the deliverable of a financial planning relationship. You know, so yeah, it's not so like, better. yeah, here's your fee for your tax return and it's $1,100 because they added a couple of rental properties and they moved across state lines and whatever it is. We don't get that pushback anymore because it's just included in the fee. So talk um, about selling. I love this selling your clients. This is a great idea. How, how did, A, how do you do it? Yeah, I can talk through that. It's, um, it's been a good, it's been a good, uh, We've had a success story there. So we had probably 300 clients that were just one-off tax clients. Uh, No, we had 500 one-off tax clients. By the time we started, we decided to no longer take tax returns. We had 100 entities and 400 1040s. 
And we had to decide whether we wanted two types of relationships in parallel, a financial planning relationship that's a lot deeper, that starts at 4000 a year, uh, and also have people that pay us $400 a year. So we decided not to have that. Like To, ha- <laughs> to get into our inbox, you need to pay us $4,000 a year because we just don't want to get the same. We get the same amount of emails from the two different people. The guy that pays you $600 a year sends you just about the same amount of emails as the probably person more. The yeah. And we're just don't like, I felt so bad because we don't charge by the hour. So I, I bill you for a tax return and then you've got questions throughout the year. My answer to those questions has always been I can bill you by the hour or I develop a whole different service line that says, if you want to pay for the service, I've created it and here's our subscription model. And that was our financial planning model. And so they weren't, if they wouldn't convert, we ended up selling them. So we essentially sold the first 150 last December of 2020. And we worked out a deal with another accounting firm that wanted to focus on one-off tax clients. His whole model is uh, he's got tax managers that are 1099. He fills them up. He gets a percentage of their work. So it makes sense for him to just add 1040s, add 1040s. And then uh, we did that and we got paid 90% of first year billings. That's pretty good. Yeah, but only if they paid him. So there was no risk to him. So if they didn't convert, he didn't have to come up with anything up front. Yeah, but you were going to fire these clients anyway. So exactly. So I was either going to send I was just going to say, you're no longer a client or I found a great landing place for them, which is what everyone wanted. It's just like, tell me where to go. Yeah, it's better for the clients. It's better for you. Yeah. Yeah. And like we automatically he came into our Slack channel and anytime a client signed an engagement letter with him, a Slack automator went off. We sent the Lacert file and the work papers prior tax return have fun. You know, he didn't have to ask for any of that stuff from the client process. Exactly. That's a good process. Yeah. Our ops team did that. And, uh, our ops team's awesome. And then this year we just did it again. Uh, it was a different purchaser this year. It's the other half of our one-off tax clients. It was the ones that had a potential to become financial planning or outsourced accounting subscription clients. You gave them that opportunity and these are the no's. Exactly. So awesome. if you want to spend $400 a year on your tax return or $600 a year on your tax return, and that's the only advice that you want to get, or if you want free advice, then there's somebody that's willing to do that. So we made the move to 950 a minimum for those instead for of just selling them off. Yeah. Instead oh, of just selling go. them off each year, we just slowly made a new minimum. And uh, that's mm-hmm. where we're at this year. I, I like what you did though. Cause then it's um, not that big of a, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, six one half a dozen the other at the end of the day like we, we're left with not that many like ackerman says we've given up on the individual return and i'm giving no, up but i think the way but you don't give up on the individual because of what shane's doing shane has shane's doing the individual return plus investment advising plus oh, yeah I, know. Services. I, I get it but that's he's, why you he's don't give up on a it because there's a ton of money we, there we do <laughs> all of our individual returns there. still i'm not shane, saying that we still do individual returns. He still does individual returns, but he's managing a relationship year round with them. I think it's just like, if you're going to create a separate 1040, like if you've got two different parallel workflows, right? That's just a nightmare. Like how much stuff can you keep in your head? And like you're putting more pressure on your ops team. If you've got a subscription client and a one-off tax client, and you're constantly having to remember who's who, like not everybody is the owner of the firm and and remembers the scope of services and like where they end. And they don't know when to say no to certain clients. So they end up doing a lot of work for free because they don't know the extent of the relationship. And I don't know, I just felt like simplicity was the goal. 
Yeah. So do you, are you, so Scott, you have people that are, they just pay you a thousand dollars and then they're good. We still have some, it's not a ton anymore. It's probably less than a hundred, but we still have, I mean, we have a lot. I mean, we have, yeah. Ackerman's got a we lot. We probably have over a thousand. I mean, not at 400 or $600, but at 750 or $800. Right. And, right, and right. We're, what we're trying to get, like, what you have done is exactly what we want to do, which is you take the individual, but it has to make sense. You're doing the investment advising. They're super high net worth. It's like, got to be. So we, we don't even bill subscription model. except for those. Like, so we, we bundled all the individuals in with their business. So technically, I guess we should have a separate invoice for, because we're a paid preparer. So mm-hmm. we should have a separate invoice for like, 10 bucks or something no, like that. No, we don't, no, no. we don't do it. Like it's just built into their monthly price. So everybody's on a monthly mm-hmm. recurring subscription for us now. And it's all manageable from afar. At least I can see what's our average, um, you know, average ARPC or average revenue per client. All that is basically managed on the smallest level of, of that number. At least mm-hmm. I can, I can see what's going on and, and not have to dive into the details when we used to do everything separate, it was like, okay, we've got all of this money that is tax only revenue. And all of this is our business clients. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the worst things that we deal with are relatives or, um, and it's not, that's not the worst, but it's like the referrals on my tax returns easy. Like it's a referral of a, of a good client. Really? Are they a good client? If they're, if they're sending me, yeah, I don't take those, you know, I, I, See, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. See, so yeah, I was, I just hate saying no. And if you say yeah, that and yeah, Ackerman, yeah. you've got, you can get, you can, someone can pay you 800 bucks, right? Or a thousand dollars. So like if you're pitching investment management to that person, they're like, no, nah, I'll stick with tax. And what we were tired of is like, if we offer the lower scale relationship, they will stick with it. So we just were like, screw it. Like Stop you're fired. Like if you don't, we've only been around five years. So it's not like I've had clients of 20 years that I can't imagine getting rid of because we've taken care of their family forever. Like, I'm sure that happens to you a ton. Like, I don't know if you'll ever be able to shed the old yeah, friends that, of the well, firm. That, that's the problem is like, yeah, we have these 30 year relationships and like, you have to disassociate you, you, with it sometimes. But, but like, part, of our, not your part friends, of our job, you? no, but they are your friends. That's the thing. It's like, are they? You've, <laughs> uh, I, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Yes, they are. I mean, they are. And it's like, there's a fine line. It's hard to, it's hard to do that. I mean, you know that the best thing for the business is to transition them, but you got to be mindful of that relationship and how you've helped them. And so there's a, there's a line and you have to do it the right way, but yeah. So circling back to your question, Scott, if I am more innovative because I don't come from a legacy firm, then that's an exact that's exactly what Ackerman's dealing with because I never had to worry about. Yeah, yeah. I'm more years. Scott. I'm more on your side, which is like let's get rid of them. But my dad, who's had the relationship for 30 years, is like. I mean, they're friendly, but if they're your friends and you're looking out for your business, they're going to respect that. I mean, this is this is business, and yeah, and gotta... and the really the problem is that we've been providing that higher level service. Like they email and call, and we don't charge anything extra for that but we're still charging them 800 bucks and they're used to that higher level service for the lower price. So mm-hmm. it's hard for them to say, Hey, you should pay us $4,000 now when you were paying us $800 now. And, but it's going to be the same service. Like they don't get that until they go someplace else and realize it's different, but it's complicated. Yeah. I'm predicting an email from Ackerman on a 
development process workflow for financial planning within the next 24 months where he wants me to come in and and tell his clients that he offers financial planning and this is what it involves oh we already this, do this, we do, do it already. Uh, we do so that. So that's what his brother does. They have BNA well. I mean, we have it. We have that, but we have. I, one's I do, blue I do one's think red. we don't sell it enough. Like, we don't sell it enough because, you know, they might have their own investment advisors now because they're tax clients. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would. Yeah. Shane, let's go, baby. Come, <laughs> come to South Carolina. I love it. Are you it. in Charleston? Where are you at? No, we're outside Charlotte. Okay. Yeah, he's he's basically North Carolina, but he likes the South. He see likes North, the border. Yeah, but I, I love what you. I mean, if I were starting a firm, I would do it exactly how you did it. Like, I love everything you've done. It's amazing. this is not the first time he said that. So no, because that no, special. because you you because I think what you're providing, like the high net worth individual stuff, like your expertise is much better than a, I think than a. And you're doing the outsource bookkeeping too, but I think mm-hmm. the outsource bookkeeping is much more. What's the word? Like it, it, it doesn't, he doesn't like it. No, it's not that I don't like it. I just think it's more commoditizable. Commoditized. That's yeah. the word. Because like still, everyone's doing that, but like, what you're doing, which is finding this niche and getting real deep into this ISO NSO, which are super complex. And and like I just dealt with this last week at 25 not at your level, but a $25 million deal where it was a bunch of different options. Like mm. it's uh, there's a lot of complexity there and it's needed. And if you become that expert like that, where you get the investment advising into that, mm-hmm. it's so smart. Well, I you lead it. with your best foot forward. You lead with your niche, your niche, whatever it is. And then you back and everything else. So that's in the year that I've been doing this podcast, that seems to be what works best for firms. Yeah. Whether it's leading with with finance, you know, or the the uh, finance service, and then back all the compliance, we'll do it. We'll take care of it for you. But this is what we're selling you: investment advisory, or if it's verticals of client types like breweries, creatives, whatever you, that might but you be. You figured out the yeah. niche that makes lots of money, which is way smarter <laughs> than doing a brewery. Well, the clients have money, right? Or anything like. But you found this out over time, like you were working with clients that didn't have money and then you took their spouses and, you know, back, yeah. into, back into yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we used to do like freelance photographers, you know, for like a $500 tax return with the schedule C. And then we found, and, and now I did former CTOs and CEOs of companies that have gone public are now clients. It's just like such a transition because they have so much more complex solutions that they're willing to pay for and they were just asking us to solve the problems and we just like finally gate like they forced our hand in the niche just because they just happened to make up a small concentration of our client mix and we decided to go with it i think it's easier when you're smaller like ackerman if you had to with your thousand ten forties, if you had to pick a niche what do you think who do you think makes up? Do you have client segmentation of the taxes industry? Taxes is his niche. <laughs> Just taxes. Yeah, we right. professional service. So we do a lot of okay. know, doctors. I mean, we have a lot of high network. Like, as you're talking, it's like, how do we get to where you are? And it's not that hard. And I think Ron Baker said this last week, too. It's like, you probably have the niche already. Like, just as you start mm-hmm. working, like, their friends refer them and that's their colleagues. And you kind of end up with those niches over time especially if you're a legacy firm so we have those and it it it's just like getting rid of the noise and being yeah, saying no to people that aren't yeah is exactly. a huge thing 
Yeah. So what? What's kind of the? What's the next step for Brooklyn Phi or FI? for us? Is it Fi or Phi? Brooklyn. I got Phi. questions here. That's one of my questions. Like I, well, I just asked it. You're welcome. <laughs> so why Fi not Phi? That's my. That was my question. <laughs> That's my next one. <laughs> you Scott, you, you, Scott comes in for the hard hitting questions. <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is nothing but fastballs from Scott. I see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Yeah. So that is one of them. That's usually a question, but I I'm not going to ask that one yet. Uh-huh. That's that's later. Yeah. Uh, five stands for financial independence. Okay. So yeah. that's and and that's why I wrote here is like, is it an acronym or is it for finance and or mm-hmm. financial? And and I like that you've been referring to it because i've always said brooklyn five mm-hmm. um, that was just what i said phonetically but um cool financial independence and was that intentional it, was sounds that like it, was. To make it look like finance it sounds like yeah. it was intentional <laughs> it was intentional yeah i mean this is pre-covid you know 70 percent of our or maybe 97 percent of our clients were in new york city when we started now it's only 70 percent, which is great but when we got started my business partner and i were kind of obsessed with the financial independence retire early movement we were like, we want good SEO, Brooklyn financial independence. It just made a lot of sense. And maybe eventually when our client base is not so concentrated in, in Brooklyn, it'll just be BKFI. That's a $30,000 website. So we'll see. We're not there yet. That's how much the URL is. So, what, so yes, what's, the, yes. what's the goal? Like, Do you want to keep growing? Are you happy now? It sounds like you have a great practice. We, we haven't asked. So we always ask, so what's the gross revenue? What was your gross revenue in 21? In 2019, it was 990. In 20, I'm sorry, 2020, it was 990. 2021, it was 2.1. We're forecasting 3.9 for 2022. And of that 2.1, that includes AUM too, or is that like it's everything? Yeah, outsourced accounting, AUM. So the 2.1. Then what's the what's the net to the the mix? No, well, the, yeah, you guys net. talk about nets on the on Hell the podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can deep. talk about nets. My, my employees listen to podcasts. Oh, that's what's well, so, okay. So that's that's unfortunate because a lot of people say that, or at least since I've been asking or prepping some. I love yes, the question. question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how can you compare firms? It's the four KPIs, right? It's the yeah. four. So it's it's headcount, it's cash per owner, it's time off, and it's top line. It's a typical. And, it's a typical margin for an accounting firm. I'll tell you that. 30? Yeah, it's around there. Okay. So we ended up there anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when people talk about their margins and their top line, it's the same thing as cash to owner, I, mean, I guess, depending on how you're marketing yeah. or how you're measuring. And then how many that. people yeah. do you have? We have 16 in the United States. Uh, we have some in uh, at TOA. We use TOA for our back office. TOA? So for bookkeeping attack. Um, the outsourced Toa's, accountant. The outsourced, yeah. Where is yeah. Oh, Philippines. Okay. Yeah, they're in the Philippines. I was like, is that a country I don't know of? But (laughs) it's right next to Tonga. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the acronyms. Sounds great. So, sorry. um, And and it sounds like you got a pretty decent lifestyle as far as time off. I mean, you're, I guess you're traveling, but are you working constantly or how do you balance balance everything? My ideal life is full time travel, uh, which requires always working, which is fine with me. I, I usually take, I think, two weeks off a year. Our firm is closed for a week during Christmas, like the standard stuff that accounting firms do. And then I try to take a, I probably three weeks off actually of like a, a long vacation. I think I'm going to go to the Philippines to meet our TOA team and I'll probably take a week off while I'm there to explore the Philippines. Awesome. Yeah. 
So you mentioned so so if you double this year, so if you're gonna double your revenue, Mm -hmm. are you gonna do that with the same amount of people? How many people do you have to hire to kind of get there? No, no. So a financial planner can typically handle about 80 clients, and then the capacity kind of trickles down from there. So a tax manager, we're looking at 150 in their first year, and then 250 in their second year. We haven't tried those capacity numbers out yet, but we'll see. Um, At least 200. And then, you know, tax associates can only handle about 110, we're expecting clients. Financial planning associates, um, we, you know, that's a whole different department. So in terms of the amount of associates, uh, we currently have not assigned them to clients. They're just kind of getting mixed between the different financial planners, the lead planners and the senior planners and whatnot. But we're still figuring out that capacity on the planning side. And then ops, we need to figure out the capacity there too. So we're not great at that. I'm interested in y'all's take on uh, ops capacity planning. Mm. Uh, but every firm's different, so I'm sure it'll... Yeah. So yeah. What, what's the question about ops capacity planning? Well, you know, it's just like how many ops people do you need to manage a certain amount of clients? And since everyone's client mix is like... Ackerman, I guess you're, everyone's firm you is so different. 400 clients? How many clients do you have? Uh, we have 330 or 340 somewhere in there and what does your ops person do yeah so the ops they manage carbon essentially hey buddy (laughs) you want to come say hi frankie lost his up dude congrats frankie where'd it go how much did the so he can't hear you you? how much did the tooth fairy bring you (laughs) did the tooth fairy how much did the tooth fairy bring you Five dollars. That's it. Ooh. Oh no. Yeah. You need to go back to the two fairies. I got one that says ooh, and then another one says that's it. Hundred. I don't know. Write it. Hey Frankie, write a note under your under your pillow and say, I should get a hundred dollars for this tooth. It's my front tooth. Bat teeth. The bat teeth are worth twenty. Front tooth should be worth more, shouldn't (laughs) it? Yeah. Hundred percent. That's what I said. That's not right. Ruthless. I had not thought about tooth fairy prices since I was a kid. So when I heard five, I was like, oh, I got a dollar when I was a kid. But that was 25 years ago. So that's, yeah. that's what was throwing me off. It's inflation. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's my next question for Shane? I had a, I had a good one. Um, All right. But yeah, no, the, so operations. Uh-huh. I mean, 350, guys- I think that should be one person. <laughs> That sounds like yeah, but it's, we're not just doing 1040s. We're doing investment management. We do their tax returns. We do no, financial planning. Yeah, for an ops manager though, that that's probably. And I don't know what the number is for. To be honest, for me, I don't know. our ops people help with the podcast. They help with the marketing. They do all the. They do a lot of stuff. The liquidity event is the podcast. They right? help with the podcast. Yeah, the liquidity event. So. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I listened. To I've all, it. so I I've kind of gone yeah. back and forth on this. I've always been like anti-admin until the last uh-huh. couple of years when I'm like, we need, we definitely need some admin, and maybe we need more. But like, we have. Oh, I definitely need more. Like, I, I just, you know, I thought we didn't need it e- either. So, like, not to interrupt, but um, no, you're good. Like, we don't yeah. have an office. You have an office, Ackerman. I mean, you definitely at least need your front. You know, your your person that could that's there at the door. I thought we didn't need it until until recently. And I think that we need at least one or two VAs just to handle all the miscellaneous stuff that's like I haven't even checked my email in 
three or four days. <laughs> is that real? To check that's my, Scott, yeah, that is that's for real. Like that's Scott that's probably, terrible. Yeah, Scott I know. It's, issues. I could go right. at least a week without checking my email, but then I have a nervous breakdown and I have to like spend at least an hour or two just just cleaning it out. Um, but I'm uh, kind of finding like you need one person that just handles just the agreements and the money part. Mm. And we have a lot more than you do, but like mm-hmm. you're still having to deal with people signing their engagement letters and stuff and all that. And you have 400 people. Yeah. I mean, we don't have accounts receivable. Do you, do you I, use I, practice ignition? What do you use to do the collections? Yeah, we use PI. So, but like when you go uh, like for this, for next year, like you have them all in PI and then you're getting next year's in there for the engagement letter and stuff. Do you go up in price? Like, do you, how, how do you roll them over? I guess is the question. Like, what's your philosophy on that? What do you mean for, for our subscription clients? Yeah, for subscription. Because everyone's subscription, right? And you're charging them. Everyone's subscription. Month, yeah, their complexity. Some will go up, some will go down. Um, we, if your complexity goes down, typically you would think that's not a problem because they'll fire us, right? Because if their complexity goes down, typically it's because they're like, they got fired or something. And they can't afford us anymore. Whereas if their complexity goes up and that doesn't happen very often, like if your complexity goes up, you're usually going through a liquidity event, which means you've got more assets to manage. And then we uh, have to think about firing our pain in the ass clients if they're consistently a pain in the ass for a long period of time. So uh, how do you go, like, how are you evaluating that, your clients, to see if they've gone up, down, blah, 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 blah? What's the problem um, for that? Well, I think I guess to answer that question, we would have to assume that we're doing a we're trying to figure out our margin on each client, right? Because why do I care if if my financial planner can manage a uh, million dollars of revenue and they because they got eighty clients and they're happy and they've got a, a salary that satisfies them? I don't really care if they're a pain in the ass unless that unless my planner comes to me and they say I don't want to work with this person anymore. Yeah. And yeah. then we and then we fire them as a client. So is that how you're managing your margin? Because I used to think I could do it like that, where it was just mm-hmm. how many clients do they have, how much am I paying them, and all that. But now that we've we've distributed certain things, and it's just a lot more, I guess, decentralized from one person. That's why we're tracking time. And, and now in Carbon, we have profitability by client and mm-hmm. by jo- and by job, but based I think- on the groups that are working on it. We have an average of what we pay them and what our margin should be. And then we can look at each job on the dashboard and our, our analytics. And mm-hmm. I can see how profitable we are by client because of the time factor. I, I know I hate mm-hmm. I hate that we do it. I hate that we are doing it. But people don't seem to mind that they're tracking. I think like and what again, Ron I, Baker said last week, like you got to look at the portfolio. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, no, it's but just, so do you, do, Shane, do you go up like every year? Do you go up 6% or do you go like... No. So you keep the price the same. We've only, yeah. I mean, we've only been around three it's years, only been around, four yeah. years. Yeah. So it hasn't, uh, we did raise prices on a you gotta batch. You got to go up of- on your price every year. That was the biggest mistake I made early on. <laughs> no, yeah. we, t- we typically do that, but it's, it's typically been when we have so much inbound clientele, we just raise the price because we can't handle all of the inbound. But on your current, I'm saying on your current clients, you got to go Right, on the years. current clients. Well, once you get through a development process, like all the heavy lifting is in the first 18 months, typically with our clients. So yeah, that's, that's every accounting firm. That's, yeah, that's fair. Um, so we're comfortable with the clients at where we're at right now. We don't. We usually do a, a fee increase if we want to free up space for new clients at higher 
revenues. And if we want to shift clients from one planner to a newer one, like if an older planner has more experience, they can typically hire, handle more complexity. And that is required of people to progress through our career tracks is to have higher revenue for their job. So they need to manage more money to progress through the career tracks. So if it's an easier client, we'll either fire them or send them to a new planner so that they can get uh, skin in the game and learn how to be a good planner. That's not really what you're asking me. You're asking me like, when do we raise prices? Well, no, Why I'm trying to use... figure out your your process every year. I mean, I, I get what he's you, still trying you, to figure it out too, right? We don't really think an annual, like an, we don't have an annual, like the, the tax frame thing is an annual thing. Like you get, you have your pricing annually, right? Where right. You, but you, you have to get yeah. an engagement letter every year for the tax return. Like there's annual stuff you have to do. Yeah, but we don't charge for it. So it's just a perfunctory thing. We're actually getting three-year engagement letters signed this year. And then we're going to run it by our attorney later to see if that's okay. But we're trying to get fewer engagement letters signed. I like it. I like so it. that there's less paperwork for the client. We always feel like if we can reduce friction for the client, then we do it. I love so that. that it feels seamless. That's a good idea if that's if that's possible. So do you use client tasks in Carbon? How are yes, you heavily. requesting documents? Is it is it all through there? How are you? Uh, yes, it's all through. Yeah, okay. so they go through an organizer in Cognito Forms. Yeah, we so, do. There's some Typeform, but same similar concept. Same idea. Yeah. The, the thing about Typeform I didn't like was that I couldn't see all the questions. You probably can, but I don't. Just didn't you can't. You oh, can. okay. But I, I, we do it when we set it up. I mean, but then it's just based on how they answer it if they're going to get the next question or not. So it's dependent mm-hmm. on if they say yes, then they have to do more. If they say no, it's the next one. So yeah. Yeah. So they go through a cognito form. They fill that out. Our cognito form, like if you say yes to a question, it details what you need to provide us at the bottom. So at the bottom, it says we need your W-2 from this company. We need your 1099 from that company, et cetera. And then you go back to the checklist and it says in carbon and it says upload all those things at the check. It's not perfect. I don't We're not huge fans of it. I just wish it was. I'd love for someone to come up with a good tats organizer, like a really, really good one. Like that's, that's, I think, a huge tech space that why are there more than one like it, there should just be one for 1040 is like somebody probably fixed this that's dynamic yeah. like that's what i'm saying and like why why yes. don't we have one like there's probably the most decent like the one that's trying to do is called tatch caddy i don't know if you ever looked at it i've never um, yeah um, but it's still not great. good because it's it needs to link with the tax software so it needs to link with latcher's tax software and say this is what you had last year like upload that stuff and if you have anything else but no one's done this i don't know why yeah, i mean we 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 back into it through ultratex because ultratex got the short checklist and then we use that to as far as the documents that we needed last year it just gives you just it boils it down to just the ones they had last year and then we got to figure out anything else based on the organization. yeah but it's not like a good the checklist the questionnaire it's not like a modern like good interface where it's easy to use like Hypothetically, you should be able to like click a button. If it should be it, built into the tax software, though. Like yeah, that's, well, it should not, download like yeah. They, it is built into tax software. The tax software one sucks, like Thompson or <laughs> right. The the Super good one Rich. should be the tax software should be on the cloud. They should have very dynamic systems in there, and yeah. nobody's doing it because it's too much to just manage the the all the changes in the tax software. We we, we right. got we just talked about that in the latest no, I know, but of, like, um, take the of top, our podcast. Ta- take the tax software out of it because that's not client yeah. facing. Like the tax organizer is client facing. Well it pisses client, me off. The tax software that is client facing that's cloud TurboTax. 
Okay. <laughs> but let's just, for a CPA firm, like the tax software, like what, how you get information from your client is a, is a, that's a touch point for them that reflects mm-hmm. on your firm. It's probably one of our worst touch points, honestly. Yeah. And it's everyone's worst touch point because there's just not a good solution out there. Well, if you pair TurboTax with an advisor, that's the silver bullet, right? You have somebody guiding you through it that knows Jesus what they're doing. Christ. That's the silver bullet. That's the right, kill okay, all. Tell us yeah. where, okay. Tell us well, where wait, hold on. Can, we, can we at least talk about the R&D credit? You slipped that in there that mm-hmm. you're working on. This, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you should sounds pretty that. big. I would future, not do my own R&D wait, credit. No, I was talking yours? to the outsource firm. Okay, good. So this is so. yours, though. You're mm-hmm. working on software. So mm-hmm. that's the future of BKFI. If it, is it not? Did I miss that? It's a part. Yeah, I mean, it's a part of it. We definitely, you know, if since we charge flat fees, your value pricing, and the one way to increase profitability is just to take down the amounts of the inputs into a deliverable. So there's no good equity compensation analysis software out there. We've been looking forever. Uh, we have a crazy detailed tech stack. Like we know the tech stack universe inside and out. And there's nothing there for equity compensation analysis. So we just decided to build it. And it's been really interesting. I think we got super lucky with our developer. Hopefully, we he's going to roll off in the next four to five months. And hopefully, we get a new team to come in and take his singular execution of our vision and manage it. it it's been a journey. It's been interesting. And hopefully, so it brings down the, the amount of time that it takes to deliver a financial plan or to deliver equity compensation advice. If it brings it down significantly, since we have hundreds of clients and Hopefully, in the near future, dozens of employees. Then it'll just help out a ton with our profitability. So we never sell that. To if it works great outside. for you, yeah, that's it. Like that's our advisors don't want us to do that because it takes our secret sauce and distributes it. But obviously, other accountants and advisors want it uh, legally. I'm not sure if we can do that due to uh, like old agreements we have with other people that helped build it. But uh, we'll see. It's pretty cool. That's super interesting. I think that's. I dope. love that. Yeah. Okay, so tell so tell us what five years. Where's Brooklyn FI BKFI going to be? So we we use traction. So we we don't think in five year terms. We think in one year, three year, ten years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Three years. What's your BHAG? What's your BHAG? <laughs> What's your BHAG? How about that? I, like I don't that. think traction does BHAGs either. I think that's a different book. Well, we merged it in ten years. We, Just tell yeah. us ten years. Just tell us ten years. All right, let me pull my VTO, bro. Let me pull it up here. Got your VTO. Do it live. This is live. (laughs) Well, the the, the VTO is is written. It it was written, right? Like this is the. Oh, this is the one from the end of 2020. Shit. Yeah, I've updated all the forecasts recently. A lot of firms on traction. How did you get started on this, or when of the last? I don't remember who put us on traction, but in terms of financial planning, we're members of the XY Planning Network, and assuredly somebody in that planning network put us on traction. Yeah, yeah, and it just well, I, I've, just worked. I know I've heard a lot of firms that are on it. A lot of them found it out through Zenus um, Future Firm. Oh yeah, I actually well, found it through a client. Yeah. All right. I was going through Ryan's, uh, who I love. I was going through his onboarding for a future firm. And I was like, this is, this is fucking traction. I know what this is. Yeah. Did you just join that? Yeah. I, well, I joined like six months ago and cool. I'm, I'm in there occasionally. All right. So 10 year timeline revenue is 32 million. Hell yeah. And assets under management are 2.4 billion. We have uh, 2,600 clients. 
We have 33 financial planners. We have 300, I'm sorry, nine tax managers, not 300. Uh, we have 26 preparers. Obviously, all, none of this is going to be accurate at all, but this is. I well, love this. Though. I mean, I we love we do it. Like we do good this too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we, can we have this it. too. We have all these oh, you numbers. Do? I'm surprised yeah, we've never yeah, talked about this. I don't believe you have any numbers. <laughs> are you, are you <laughs> kidding me? Flying. No, I'm just flying. Blind, I actually no do. Instrument. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I, I got all this stuff. It's not as ambitious as this. This is awesome. This I love is, that. This is great. Okay, Shane, this has been amazing. We've kept you too long. I'm going to come visit you. You can come visit come me. I'm down. Got a spare bedroom, buddy. In this oh. Airbnb out in Silver Lake. <laughs> oh, I love that. We're too yeah, old for that. Be, I bad. almost stayed there, but I was flying out of Santa Barbara, not uh, oh, right, LAX. Right. Yeah. Your firm is amazing. I love it. Keep up the good work. Give everyone one piece of advice for if you're to firm owners. Give us one mm, piece. I think my my the best thing that's ever happened to me in terms of building a firm was meeting my business partner. And I think that having somebody else with skin in the game, material skin in the game that you can bounce ideas off of and you can have vision. AJ and I are the perfect vision uh, or the visionary integrator. integrator combination. That would be a huge, if you're doing things solo, that's Are that's you the great. integrator? No, I'm the visionary. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, AJ is a, is a beast when it comes to implementing things. I'm not even a good wow. visionary. <laughs> She's... Uh, we've had this conversation before, but I'm always surprised because sometimes I, I peg it wrong. So I, mm. I would have seen you as a visionary, but that's only because of the visionary and your insight on the hair. Like you still have it it's from <laughs> 2017 to now. It's still going strong, right? Like it's you, time to go though. You had yeah. a vision. No, I, it's never. I got mine go. growing too, man. Mine's mine's growing. It's not a, uh, it's not quite. There we go. There yet, but uh, it's getting there. Scott, getting did there. you hear that marijuana rejects COVID? Oh, it I have heard that, him. and I've been I've been pretty re resistant. And today, I, I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself. I should have uh, given my one month old freaking marijuana, then she, he wouldn't have gotten. Oh it. yeah, yeah, that's oh. um, shit. Shane, tell us where we can listen to your podcast. Yeah, the podcast is called The Liquidity Event. AJ and I have a drink, and we talk about upcoming IPOs and the news headlines. We talk about billionaires, <laughs> <was> IPAs. <laughs> he, he told me he, he said, "Yeah, we we got a podcast, and usually we just talk about IPOs." And I just read it like IPA, so I was expecting a beer podcast, like Kenji's <laughs> drink while you think. Yeah, <laughs> negative. Was it was negative. good. It was, it, I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. We we do hot takes on billionaires, crypto, tax, fintech. All that fun stuff in the headlines. Some running running themes. AJ has a crush of the week. She details a CEO she has a crush on. Uh, I do no brainers of the week by a Roomba, for example. You know, shit like that. It's it's fun. Via <laughs> Roomba. That's amazing. Well, yeah. Shane, this has been awesome. I I love you. I don't know what to say. This has been great. Um, <laughs> lived up to all and, my expectations. Uh, Ackerman <laughs> saw your picture, and um, it was like you were doing a practice ignition thing. And Ackerman uh, said, "Oh, that beautiful long hair. Something, <laughs> something about your hair." I honestly didn't know who the hell you were until this thing, and I love you. You're great. Hell yeah, I love gonna, it. I can't. Flattery is uh, right into my heart, buddy. We're gonna, I can't wait to come we're gonna, I don't flatter people either. Scott should tell you that. He, does, he usually flatter. doesn't. Yeah, it, this is <laughs> so. this has been great. I'm I'm blown away by all this. He definitely doesn't we'll flatter me. We'll talk offline. Sure. I, I love I'm into it. I love I'm everything. It. Shane, yeah. you've been amazing. Scott, all right, homie. Always good to see you. See you guys. Thank you.
Wow, what a great episode. And wouldn't it be great if you could earn CPE credit for that? Now you can. Visit earmarkcpe.com to sign up for free and earn free CPE credit for listening to this show. That's earmarkcpe.com.